Genesis 11, verses 1 to 9, the Tower of Babel. A number of years ago, um, just before our daughters were born, uh, we, we went to Paris for a holiday. And uh, we went into um, some of the, uh, the art museums there. And uh, one of them was uh, the Musée d'Orsay. Uh, and we went, we went to see the Monets, we did. And uh, Rosemary was uh, pregnant, early stages of pregnancy with, with Rebecca, our oldest. And uh, we walked around all afternoon, and by the end of the afternoon, she was tired. So she sat down on, on a, a bench or, or a chair or something, uh, and there was one more exhibition I wanted to go into. So I went in to have a look, uh, and Rosemary sat on a chair, uh, and I wandered around the exhibition, uh, and I thought I'd come out of the same door that I went in, but apparently I didn't, okay? And I came out, and there was a chair there, and it was empty, and it was shutting up time, yeah? Uh, and I, I got problems now because I'm ushered out. And, and Rosemary's got my train ticket. And she's got my passport. And she's got the money. And I don't speak French. I got a problem. And Rosemary's inside. And I, and I find a spot to sit outside. Now, fortunately, there was only one door, okay? There was one door in and one door out. And I found a spot to sit down outside. And I sat and I thought about it. And I thought, how do I explain to somebody now that I've lost my wife? Yeah? Because because I just haven't got the lingo. How do I do it? Uh, and 45 minutes later, Rosemary came out of the door. She'd been waiting inside until the very last possible moment for me to come down some steps miraculously when I was already outside. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if everybody in France spoke English? Yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? It would have been so much easier. If everybody in France spoke English, it just would have been so much easier. I could have gone to a restaurant, I would have known what I was ordering. Yeah, rather than saying to Rosemary, what does this mean, what does this mean, what does this mean? the passage we have in our Bible, that there's no misunderstanding, okay? Everybody speaks the same language. Everybody can be understood by everybody else. We read, Genesis 11, verse 1, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Everybody spoke the same thing. There was no foreign language to learn if you wanted to talk to somebody else. Everybody understood everyone else, and everybody could be understood by everyone else. Everybody spoke the same language as Noah and his sons. Everyone. When the flood was over, Noah and his sons came out of the ark, and we read chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. Now, to fill the earth, you have to spread out a bit, don't you? you? You don't fill the earth by all staying together in one little place, do you? And waiting to have children, and then, you know, you build your house next door. And then waiting for them to have children, and you build a house next door to that. You, you don't fill the earth by doing that. You fill the earth by, by going out, by exploring, by spreading out, and by living in different places. We read verse 4 of our reading, chapter 11, verse 4. Then they said, this is, this is the people that have dispersed and are moving east. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Life after the ark wasn't much different to life before the ark. People still rebelled against God. People still wanted to do their own thing instead of listening to what God had said. Uh, I want to look at the passage we read this evening. I, I, got, very th I got three very simple points to think about. Okay, point one, man's brilliance. Point two, man's rebelliousness. 
Point three, God's authority. Okay? So three points. Man's brilliance, man's rebelliousness, God's authority. Okay, so point one. Man's brilliance. Man is brilliant. He is brilliant, isn't he? He is absolutely brilliant. You look at the things that we've got around us today, they are absolutely fantastic. Man is brilliant. Man is brilliant because God made him to be brilliant. Okay? And because God made him to be brilliant, he has always been brilliant. All right? He has always been brilliant. Right from the very beginning of time, he has been brilliant. Adam was made in the image of God. Okay? He was made with a brilliant brain. We read at the beginning of Genesis that, that after God had made Adam, he caused all the animals to pass in front of him. And Adam named every single one of them. Now, I could do that, but 10 minutes later, I would have forgotten more than half of the names that I had called the animals, all right? When I'm in school, I remember round about 200 names, somewhere around there, of the children that are in school, okay? Round about 200. Sometimes I get confused over who is who, if they look alike. Adam named all these animals. I, I, I should think there were far more than 200 animals that he named. He named all the animals, and he remembered what they were. Because later on, people didn't have to think, oh, wow, what is that animal? What should we call it? People knew what it was. Okay, Adam had passed it on. He had a brilliant brain. I suppose he named all the plants as well, didn't he? I didn't think of that, but he, I, he probably did. But he had a brilliant brain. I saw a film a little while ago, Ice Age. Have you seen Ice Age? Ice Age, you know, you've got this big woolly mammoth and, and a saber-toothed tiger uh, and a blue sloth called Sid, isn't it? And two little funny creatures, chipmunks, walnuts, I don't know, something anyway. Anyway, it's quite an amusing film, right? And the animals talk to each other all the way through the film. And then you get to the end of the film and you meet a family of humans and humans grunt. They don't talk. Mankind has never been like that. Mankind has always had language. Okay, he has always had language because God gave him language. God gave him language so that he could talk to God so that God could talk to him, so that we could talk to one another. Mankind has always been brilliant. He has always had language. He has always had the ability to make things. In our passage, they said to one another, verse 3, they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. How did they know how to do that? How did they know how to do it? How did they know that they could get clay off the ground and burn it and shape bricks and make buildings out of it. How did they know that, that they could bake it hard enough to build a city with, to build houses with that it was safe to live inside, to be able to build a tower with that is going to reach to the heavens? How did they know they could do something like that out of dirt from the ground? If I was cast onto a, onto a desert island and I had to make my own house, I wouldn't think of getting bricks and baking bricks in a fire, okay? I'd be looking for big leaves and twigs uh, to hide in there. That's, that's what I would be doing. Yeah, but these people, nothing like that. They wanted to make cities. They wanted to make towers. And they knew exactly how to do it. And remember now, this is just after the flood. Okay, this is before the written history that we've got in our books in schools. This is, this is at the time when, when people would have us believe that mankind lived in caves all around the world and banged bricks together and, and grunted and, and, and did things like that. You know, but these people, they are making cities. 
And these are not the first to build a city. Okay, these are not the first to build a city. They are able to build cities because they know about cities from their past, from the stories of their past. The first person to build a city was Cain, right at the beginning of time. Okay, Cain built a city. We read Genesis 4, verses 16 to 17. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Right at the beginning of time, man knew how to build cities. He knew how to get people together. He knew how to put them into a city uh, and, and to take care of them uh, and to look after them. Not in a good way, I think, but they did. This isn't the only thing that ancient man has built, is it, that, that is amazing. Uh, in Genesis 6, Noah builds an ark. And this ark is massive. It is absolutely enormous. I reckon if you took this ark and stick it outside this building, put it in the road outside, it stretched from the roundabout there to the roundabout down there. Okay, that's how long this ark is. And it's too big to fit on your road. Okay, it's going to go into the gardens because it's so wide. And it's going to dwarf your houses. It's going to be three times bigger than your houses. Okay, this is a truly massive boat. We read in Genesis, Genesis 5 and 6, that God uh, speaks about man, and he says about the sin of man, and that he will not contend with him forever, and his days will be 120. Noah has 120, sorry, his, his, day, his years will be 120. The days of his life, the years, will, will be 120. Okay? Noah has 120 years to build this ark. I reckon it's going to take him all 120 years to build our, to build something that size. I wouldn't go out in a boat that I had built. Okay? I wouldn't. I would go on water that's about three foot deep. I wouldn't go any deeper because whatever I built is, is going to sink, I reckon. Noah must have been an absolutely amazing builder to build something that big, to be able to build three layers inside it, to take all the animals in, all the food for a year, and to survive for a whole year on that ark in the water. And when you come outside the Bible and, and you look at ancient history, uh, you, you've got the pyramids, haven't you? Ancient man built the pyramids. No hydraulics, no lorries, no cranes to move the, the rocks and the, the stones. Quarried somewhere else, brought to a pyramid, stuck on a pyramid. I, I did read somewhere that they thought that they made the bricks out of cement on the pyramid site itself. I, I don't know. Modern man... Is, um, is amazed at how the pyramids were built uh, and how they managed to align them so well without any gaps and to get the stones to fit together so well. Modern houses aren't built as well as modern pyramids, as old-fashioned pyramids, are they? Modern houses fall apart. Old, old pyramids were built to last. Uh, and it's not just in Egypt, is it? The big ones are in Egypt, but, but you've got pyramids all over the world. You've got pyramids in East Asia, you've got pyramids in South America. You have pyramids everywhere where ancient man was. Modern man, modern man, think of the things we've got in our world around us today. We've got cars that will travel at 200 miles an hour. We've got 70 mile an hour speed limits. That's a bit perplexing, isn't it? Cars that will travel 200 miles an hour. Rockets that will take you to the moon. Rockets that will take things to Mars and drop them on Mars. Rockets that have gone out to Jupiter and crashed on Jupiter. Why? Why? We've got phones 
that you can put in your pocket, yet they're powerful enough to talk to somebody on the other side of the world. Uh, and not only can you talk to them, you can see them on your phone on the other side of the world. You've got computers that can take up all of your spare time with games that you can play uh, and with ideas to look up and with people to talk to that are interested in the same sorts of things that you were interested in. We have luxury liners where, where you can go and eat all day, apparently, uh, and where you can live a life of luxury, just as it says on the tin, isn't it? We have games to play, games to watch, machines to build, machines to restore, tapestries to complete, books to read, musics to listen to, films to watch, television to watch, clothes to buy, and many, many other things to do with our money. How many of the things that we have take us away from God? How many? How many of them take us away from God? How many of them distract us and make us desire them instead of desiring God? How many of them take all of our spare time, so much so that the things of God are, are pushed into a little corner uh, and, and we look at God's word and we pray when we are too tired to concentrate and when we don't really want to be bothered? How many of our hobbies take up more time than reading God's word? We are surrounded by amazing things. Many, or I should say none of them are evil, but men, none of them are evil in themselves, but many of them are dangerous for our spiritual lives because they entice us and capture us so much, so easily. <clears throat> Point two, man's rebelliousness. In our passage, <clears throat> the people traveled east to the plain in the land of China and settled there, and once there, they decided to build a city. They said, come, let us build a city let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The reason for building a city was to stop them being dispersed. It is for them to make a name for themselves. It's for them to form their own type of worship as well. Why build a city? Well, <clears throat> in these days, there's a huge difference between living in a city uh, and living in the countryside, okay? A huge difference, and, uh, and up until, I suppose, the Industrial Revolution in our country, there would have been a huge difference between living in a city uh, and living in the countryside. Those in the country tended to grow their own food. Yeah, they, they rely on the rain and the sun, and they rely on good soil, and they rely on God to provide it. Those in the city rely on Tesco or Asda to put the food on the shelves. Our, I, I heard last week, my, my brother-in-law works for uh, somebody that I can't remember, uh, and um, helping emerging leaders, helping, helping people in Africa and people in India to, to better their lives in some way through entrepreneurship and so on. He said he'd been in Senegal a few weeks back, and... Our spring onions, all the spring onions that go to Marks and Spencers throughout the winter will all come from Senegal. Yeah, I, I, I never even thought that they would come from Senegal. When I prayed to God and I thank him for my food, I, I, I don't thank him for the people that are growing it in Senegal. It, it hasn't even entered my head that it would come from there. You know, I thank him for my food, but where it comes from, it comes from Tesco or Asda or somewhere like that. The whole process of the growing of food, the whole process of the rain being needed, of the sun needing to shine, 
it's all taken away, isn't it? Because our food is in Asda. And we don't need to worry about the growing of it. Because if they can't get it from here, they'll get it from somewhere else. And they'll bring it here so that we can buy it. There's safety in numbers in the city. Who do you rely on to keep you safe in the country when there are wild animals, when there are brigands, when there are outlaws? Isn't it safer to stay in the city where people can defend you? There's no need to rely on God then who you can't see. You can rely on the people you can see, the people with the spears and the swords and the shields. You can rely on them instead. Much better to rely on them. You can see them. You know where they are. Out in the country, you have to look to God for your health because you need your health to be able to go and work your field. Because if you don't go and work your field, who's going to work your field for you? And if you can't work your field, where is your food going to come from? If you're in the city and you're ill for a few days, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Somebody else will take your place in the factory. You'll still be able to get your food from Tesco. Somebody will help you out. You'll be all right. You've got friends around you. There's no need to rely on God. Are you thankful for the food you get every day? Are you thankful for your health, for the money that you have, for the clothes that you wear, for the car that you drive, for the houses that you live in, for the families that God has given you? Are you thankful for those things, or, or do you take it for granted? Because it is so easy to take things for granted. Now, these things are not evil, but they do help you to forget God and to forget that he provides for you. And they do sort of encourage you to think that if God wasn't there, these things would just go on by themselves. Yeah, they would just continue by themselves. And the people living in the city, all of these things, they just go on with themselves without any thought for God at all. God is a provider of the sun. The sender of the rain is removed from the equation because everything works well without God being there. A tower with its top in the heavens is, is the next thing they wanted to build. They wanted to build a city, and then they wanted a tower with its top in the heavens. Now, now they're not thinking of, of a huge tower reaching up to the sky. Okay, They're not thinking of a skyscraper. <clears throat> they're thinking of a, a tower where the top of the tower is their heaven. It is where their God lives. It is where they can go up to meet with their God and to worship in their way in whatever way they have chosen. It was a tower where they could keep a semblance of religion, but where they could do away with the God of the Bible. Isn't this what we see all around us today? We see lots of religion around us today, don't we? Lots of religion around us, lots of religion that, that does away with the God of the Bible. We've got mosques, we've got Sikh temples, Hindu temples, Buddhist temples, Kingdom Halls of Jehovah's Witnesses, Christadelphians, humanist societies, uh, and all sorts of other things claiming to worship God or a God, or claiming to worship man instead. Why have you come here this evening? Why have you come into this place this evening? You are here. That is good. It's good that you've come. Is it that you have come to meet with God, or is it that you have come to meet with yourselves, with your friends? Are you here because you are brought by someone? Are you here because it is expected of you to be here by someone? Or, or is it out of habit? Or are you here for some other reason? If you were here to meet with God, has your sin been forgiven? Because you can only come to God in this way. 
he will not let you come any other way. Uh, the people in our passage, they could come to God in what they could come to their God in whatever way they wanted, in whatever way their imaginations led them to believe would be would be a, a nice way to go and worship their God. They could sacrifice in whatever way they wanted. They they could have whatever rights they wanted. But the God of the Bible will only let you come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ with your sin forgiven. He, he will not let you come any other way. These people, these people wanted to make a name for themselves. Let us make a name for ourselves, they said. Let us forget God. Let's push him to one side and we'll make a name for us. We can be the people that everybody looks up to. We can be the people to be remembered. Let us be highly thought of. Pride is in us all, isn't it? Pride is in us all. Do you want a name for yourself? Do you want to be important in the eyes of the people around you and in the eyes of the people that you work amongst? Lucifer did, didn't he? Lucifer wanted to be important. There he was in heaven, all the privileges you could imagine, in heaven uh, at, the, at the very throne of God. And he wanted more. He wanted to be more important than God himself. And he rebelled against God. The shorter catechism of the Westminster Confession starts, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We don't glorify God by making a name for ourselves, do we? We don't glorify God by, by making us the center of attention. We glorify God by making him the center of attention. And sometimes we, we gain a, a good name and a good reputation because of it, and sometimes we don't. And that is fine, isn't it? That is fine. But we glorify God by making him the center of attention. These people in our passage, they, they didn't want that. They didn't want to glorify God. They wanted to glorify themselves. We will be the masters here. That's what they're shouting. We will be our master. We don't want God. We want nothing of him. These people do not want to be dispersed. They're frightened by it. They're worried by it. Uh, perhaps some of the leaders, um, full of pride, they want the people almost held captive to, to worship them and to look up to them. God has told them to fill the earth, but they want, them, they want to stay together and they want to grow slowly rather than being dispersed. Staying together as a crowd what was better than spreading over all the land. But God knows best, doesn't he? God knows best. And what he says should be followed, shouldn't it? Because if you don't follow, you end up in a mess, don't you? How do we know what God is saying now? How do we know? Well, he's given us his word, hasn't he? He's given us his word. Uh, and it's black and white, a lot of it, isn't it? Well, all of it is black and white. There are times, though, when we're confused over what we want God or over what we want, over what we think God wants for us, over what we believe to be God's direction in our lives. Sometimes we are confused over that. Sometimes we struggle over that. We are here to worship God, aren't we? That's what we are here for. We are here to worship God. We are here to trust him. We are here to read on his word, to pray to him, and to ask him to guide us. And we are here to wait on him until he does. Job 
Job in the Old Testament, he he had um, he had a problem, didn't he? he? He had so many terrible things happening to him, and then he called out to God, and, and God didn't seem to answer, uh, and Job got frustrated, uh, and uh, and he said some reckless things, didn't he? And then God did come, and God did answer, but God answered in His own time rather than in Job's time. We need to wait, and wait on God until He answers. You know, there are things that happen in my life that are the result of foolish decisions, foolish decisions that I've made, the result of sin, the result of disobedience and rebellion against God. And probably the same thing happens in your lives as well. You know, when these things happen, we, we need to repent. We need to repent and we need to lean on him. There are times when I want to make a name for myself and pride takes over. And I think how wonderful it would be if I got some praise for doing some of the things that I do, rather than anybody else getting the praise for them. You know, we need to repent. Again, we need to repent. We need to lean on him. We need to be content with what God gives us and what God continues to give us day by day, because he gives us a lot, doesn't he? He does give us a lot. There are times when I am greatly blessed because I've trusted and I've obeyed. You know, and I'm sure it is the same with you. Staying close to God by reading and praying will help us hear what God is saying to us. Don't be like these people who deliberately set out to defy God. Because you can't win. We cannot win. You know, being in God's will is so much better and so much safer. I was told a story, oh, years ago now, um, it's Alan's story, uh, he didn't tell it to me. He was preaching at the time, okay? And it was an illustration that he used. But but I was told a story. Two men, two men, hadn't seen each other for, for a long time. Uh, and they met and they were catching up. And one man said, how's your daughter? What is she doing now? And, and the second man said, oh, she, she's out in Cambodia working with the people out there. And the first man was aghast. He said, you must be worried sick. Out there, all those unexploded mines, all, all that uh, awfulness that is going on in that place. And the other man said, no, he said, She's in the safest place in the world. How can she be in the safest place in the world in a country like that? The man answered, she is right in the middle of the will of God. She's in the safest place in the world. Right in the middle of the will of God. That's where we need to be, isn't it? Right in the middle of the will of God. And then we will be in the safest place in the world. Point three, the authority of God. Okay, the authority of God. We read Genesis 11, verse 5. And the Lord God, sorry, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Now, this doesn't mean that God didn't know what was going on, okay? It doesn't mean that God couldn't see it. This is a writer, he's, he's using a, a type of language, anthropomorphic language, okay? He's using this language, he's, he's using human action to express God's evaluation of the situation. That's what he's doing, all right? So he's looking at it from a human point of view. And he, he's sort of showing how little and pathetic the ways of man are. It's almost as if a writer is saying, these men thought their city was so fantastic, so big, so amazing, and their tower was so huge, and yet God thought it was so small, he had to come down to see it because he couldn't see it from where he was. It was tiny. Okay? This is what the writer is, is trying to do here. He's trying to show you the things of man they're pathetic. God looked at the city 
and, and he says, verses 6 and 7, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. If God does not intervene here, mankind will be lost. Okay, if God does not intervene, mankind will be lost. So God is merciful. He is gracious. He comes and he intervenes. This defiance of God that they have begun, this building of a city to make a name for themselves, is only the beginning of what they will do. This disobedience, this rebellion against God, is just the tip of the iceberg. Things will only get worse. So God comes and God intervenes and God confuses their language so that not all of the people will be lost. Some of the people will be saved. From everyone being able to understand what everyone else was saying, suddenly they couldn't. Suddenly groups of people spoke different languages and I suppose it is natural that those who could speak the same languages gravitated towards each other and eventually moved off to different parts of the world and separated themselves from, from other people that, that they once knew that they could communicate with. Uh, and they moved off, uh, moved off as we find in Genesis chapter 10, the table of nations. From opposition to God, these people are now doing exactly what God told them to do in the first place. The earth was to be filled and would be filled, just as God said it would. God's will is never thwarted. Okay, God's will is never, ever thwarted. These people couldn't stop God's will from being carried out despite all their opposition, despite all their organization, and neither can man today. Regardless of what he does, they cannot stop God's will from being carried out. Despite man's brilliance, despite man's false religions, despite all his bullying to get rid of God altogether, God's will always prevails. Psalm 2, we read verses 2 to 4. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Whatever man does, however much man fights to get rid of God, whatever organizations man sets up, however clever man thinks he is, God looks down and he holds them in division because man doesn't realize that God could wipe them away with a single flick of his hand, with a single thought, with a single word, and they would be nothing. They're not worthy to be called in opposition because God is so mighty and man is so weak and pathetic in comparison. Communism tried to do away with God. And for a number of years, communism was uh, the, the great enemy, wasn't it, uh, of Christianity. Communism is gone. It has fallen. Places that were once communist are, are no longer communist. Islam would do away with God if it could. They would do away with God and replace him with Allah. Islam will fall. It will fall because they are opposing God. As will all the other religions who try to replace the God of the Bible for their own version of God. What about you? What about me? Will we thwart God? 
Romans 14:11 says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And Philippians 2:10, So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There will come a day when everyone will bow to God. Will you bow in adoration of your Lord and Saviour? Or will you bow in terror before a holy God before whom you have rebelled all your life? Which will it be? No one will escape this day. Everyone will bow, one way or another. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how rich they are. It doesn't matter how poor they are. It doesn't matter what great works they have done. It doesn't matter what country they have come from. It doesn't matter what color they are. Every knee will bow before God and every knee will wait on him for judgment. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 33. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left. The sheep will go to heaven. The goats, the goats will go to hell. Where will you be? Where will you be on that day? You've been made in the image of God. You have been made just a little lower than the angels, just a little lower. You have been made to enjoy God, to enjoy his fellowship, you be made to be with him forever. The people in the passage that we read, they built a city. It was built of clay. It was clever. It didn't last. Things of clay don't last, do they? They break. Whatever we make in this world, whatever we do, will be like that city. It'll be like clay. It won't last. God has made a city that will last forever. It is a city that, that will never fade away. It is the, the true heaven rather than the imagined heaven that was on top of that tower. It is uh, a place, it is a city where everyone is invited if you have had your sins forgiven. It's a real. It is real. Will you be there to worship the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Amen. We're going to sing when the projector warms up. Immortal honors rest on Jesus' head. My God, my portion, and my living bread. In him I live, upon him cast my care. He saves from death, destruction and despair.
הספורט ומרכז השטח בו הוא מסתיים.